you can make some great decisions that are emotionally based. But what we're trying to get across to people in this book, Truth and Lies, is there's also a critical thinking element that you can do at the same time. And it's quick and it's fast and it can help you think better and make better decisions. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an incredible guest lined up for you today. In fact, he's so great, he's a repeat guest. I'm speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary number one thought leader on the planet when it comes to the subject of body language, Mark Bowden. Welcome to the show, Mark. Oh, it's great to be here, Nikki. You you give the best introductions always. It's like a, I feel like it's a circus show, and I'm like <laughs> the lion that's coming on. It's fantastic. I love it. The lion that's coming on. That's beautiful. Mark, so listen, we have you back on because you have a new book out. It's called Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking. You co-wrote this with Tracy Thompson. I've started to read it. It's an amazing book. Tell us a bit about what made you think that this book was the right book for you to bring into the marketplace right now. Uh, that's a great question, Nikki, because the, the, the reality is, is when I was first asked by HarperCollins to write this book, I said no. I, I didn't think it was the right book at all. They wanted a book on reading body language. How do you read body language and work out what people are really thinking? And I immediately said to them, I don't want to write that book. There's lots of books out there about this. Some of them are bad. Some of them are good. Some of them are okay. It's harder than people expect. And it's not as useful as people expect it to be. And, and that was that. And then I had a bit of a think about it. And I said, well, hang on, what would a really, really good book be like on reading body language? One that is the best in the market and the most helpful. And what I worked out is, actually, it would be a book on critical thinking, how to think better, disguised as a book on body language. So the truth and lies of this book is that uh, it kind of purports to be a book on body language. And it is because it's got all the stuff in there that you love about body language, all the stuff on what signals might mean. And, and it's, a, you know, it's a big, bulky, thick book. So everything's in there. There isn't a, a bigger, broader book on body language. But the reality is it's about thinking more clearly and more cleverly about other people's behaviors, and most importantly, Nikki, about your own. And through that, getting closer to the truth about what other people's behavior may mean. Does that make sense, Nikki? 
Mark, it makes perfect sense. And it's a nice segue into the theme of this show. So, you know, the thought leader revolution is about thought leadership, right? We bring in yeah. people like yourself, people like our mutual friend, Michael Bungay-Stanier, yeah. you know, and we have them come on this show because they're thought leaders. And to be a thought leader, you need to engage in thinking. It just makes sense from that perspective. And you are the unparalleled thought leader in the arena of body language. And you've created some incredible IP. And this book, is adding to your IP. We say that one of the critical things that as a thought leader you need to do is you need to constantly be creating new IP and have it be world-class IP. And I believe that through this book, you've done that and you've tied it into how people in general need to be thinking more powerfully, more clearly, because this will help them be more effective in reading body language. Isn't that essentially what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's not about... Um, the, 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 the knowledge, it's not about having that dictionary of, well, I know this movement means this because that's not even accurate. Anyway, it may mean something. It's about the underlying thought process. Can you be a better thinker and not just about body language? I hope people read this book and they use our critical thinking model, which is a simple, uh, you know, a four step process about thinking better about all kinds of situations. I mean, think about the way that I thought about going about this book. Uh, you know, it, it, it's great to be asked to, to, to write books. All the books that I've written so far, publishers have come to me and said, Mark, will you write a book on this subject? And so our first response is often always, well, yeah, great, of course. And in this case, I thought a little bit differently and said, well, no, and then hung back thought again and thought, well, what would it be like if I didn't immediately say no to this and I made something really, really good? So I rethought something. You know, I rediscovered something. I thought more deeply about it. I took more time to think about it. And all of us as thought leaders, at some point, I think we're doing more and more of that, of just rethinking and thinking again. Mark, that's very true. That's very, very true. But, you know, one of the things that I think has you stand apart as a thought leader is that you've thought through what it is that your subject area is all about. And you've thought through it in a very unique way, in a new way, in a different way. And you've brought that forward in this book very powerfully. And there's some powerful stories you have in the book. Tell the story of the gentleman who was with the police force and was interviewing that gang member who he thought had killed a rival gang member. Because that was a very powerful story that I think demonstrates this very well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is a story that comes from our friend uh, Paul Nadeau, who uh, is a former uh, hostage negotiator. Before that, he was on uh, the police detective squad uh, around the Toronto, Ontario area. And one of the people who actually would be part of interviews for suspects of all, all, all manner of crimes, but but some really important ones where, where you know, there's there's 
potentially people have died and been murdered uh, within them. Some serious, serious crime. And uh, he would work the lie detector, which is a an electronic device that can record really, you know, how damp your skin is, to be honest, and your breathing rate. Uh, that's what it does. It records physical changes in people. And you can interview those people and see as you interview them and as they tell their story, what physical changes happen in them. And you can use that data to help you get an idea of what the truth and lies of their story may be. Well, in this particular case, he was interviewing a a gang member around the murder of another gang member, of of a completely different gang. And uh, I think there were around um, seven suspects, potentially, and, and they were getting them in, you know, one by one. And what's great about this story is he takes us through how before he's even got the guy wired up, essentially, to this device, he's already doing kind of a human lie detection system. And again, it's around this idea of critical thinking. They really do think that it's one of these seven people. But the key is, is which one is it? It's one of them, but which one might it be? And so, first of all, Paul takes us through how he gets the guy relaxed and on his side. And he can see already how this gang member is very anti-police, anti-establishment, essentially, anti-authority. And as uh, Paul talks with authority, he sees that the guy is very, um, you know, aggressive towards him. But then Paul sides with him, agrees with him on some of the police members and and how they're not likable. This guy relaxes and starts to joke and 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 play around with Paul and and open up to him. And Paul says, you know, at that point what he does in that state of relaxation together, what he does is hit the person with a very strong Question and you know Paul has told me this a number of of times and you'll you'll love this Nikki because this this is something outside of what's in this particular story but many times I've sat down with Paul and Paul says you know what Mark one of the main things that people don't ask a suspect is the simple question of did you do it did you kill them simple as that they don't ask wow. the clear question and he says i would go in constantly you know people would be having a, a rough time with a suspect we can't get anything out of them they won't admit to anything and paul would go well if you just asked them just ask them just 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 say did you do it and this is exactly what paul does hmm. he goes in he relaxes the person and then he says look, you just got angry with the person. You didn't mean to kill them, but you got angry with them. And, you know, it was just a mistake. And you you killed them, didn't you? And at that point, this guy's body language changes. He shows remorse. He shows the embarrassment of that. He He has some sense of displaying, you know, what's happened here and opens up to Paul. But the big key here about the body language piece here, Nikki, is what we look for continually is change. We're looking for how has somebody changed? Can you change their behaviors from stress to relaxation? And then can you see whether you can get an indicator 
out of them by changing their environment again with a strong question, something different in the environment, simply because, you know, the guy never said, yeah, yeah, I did it. It was seen in the body language. Yeah. Paul says, you know, you got angry. It was an accident. You killed him. You didn't mean to. His body language changes from this person who was originally, you know, very angry at the police to very relaxed with Paul to showing remorse. And from that, Paul can see that the question has had an impact. The person has not admitted anything at this point. You still can't take that to the judge. But then what Paul does is take that indicator as some kind of admission. And then Paul says, look, I want to help you here. Let's let's see how we can make this easier for you. And from that draws out the confession by, again, getting on the same side as this person. And that's part of Paul's whole uh, hostage negotiation techniques. But I hope that makes sense as a story there, Nikki, around how in body language and, and, and deception detection, reading body language in general, we're looking for some changes in behavior, and then we're investigating further into those. That's a brilliant story. And I'll tell you, I got three very powerful insights from what you just revealed to us, Mark. So insight number one is just ask for the sale effectively. Yeah. In this case, you know, your friend Paul Nadeau, he's not a salesman, but he's acting like a salesman would in a business situation. He's just got out there and said, did you do it? And this is a point that many thought leaders miss. There's a lot of thought leaders that are listening to this episode and listen to this show regularly who are in front of potential clients who are incredible at what they do and are getting in there and understanding the client and what that client needs and what their bleeding neck is. And they know (laughs) they can solve the problem. They know that they can put that compress on that bleeding neck. They know they can stitch it up and stop the blood flow but they don't ask the prospect for the sale. They don't say, so would you like to get started? I mean, my God, it it sounds simple because it is simple, but we live in an age where I believe, and this is just my personal theory, that people are so distracted by technology and social media that the ability to basically have a conversation with another human being has been impaired and hampered. And so people forget to ask for the sale. So that's one very powerful insight that I got from what you just revealed to us, Mark. Yeah, lovely. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So the other powerful insight that I got is that when you're in a situation with another human being. Now, this is a, a, a pretty serious situation that you were describing, right? A serious crime had been committed. You know, an individual had lost their life, and, and Paul was attempting to, to have justice be served, right? And, and frankly, this is a situation where making mistakes just doesn't, doesn't really work, right? Right. And there are many situations in business, while they're not quite as serious as this, they're still quite serious. They still can be the difference between a company staying stagnant or an individual staying stagnant in their business and going to the next level. They can be the difference between a prospect having their life be altered by having this incredible thought leader work with them or not. And if they don't have the types of skills that you're describing here, 
you know what? The, the result won't go their way. That's another second very powerful insight I got from what you just revealed. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And the third insight I got is that even if you're the very best at what you do, and it sounds like Paul Nadeau is one of the very best at what he does, if not the best, would that be a fair assessment, Mark? Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's very, very skilled and, and takes, as you say, you know, takes this very, very seriously because there are some big stakes out there. You know, some people, people have died. There's criminals out there that could do this kind of thing again. And we as a society say, we don't like that. That's not good enough. Clean this up. Bingo. So even someone who's the very best at what they do, the only way for them to stay the best at what they do, and I know you didn't directly say this, but I think it's in the subtext of what you said, is for them to take into account that they need to continuously get better at thinking more clearly at reading people better in one-on-one interaction situations and understanding the mystery of better thinking, the mystery of understanding people's nonverbal communication. Because if you're not a student of this game, you're not going to be the very best for very long. Is that a fair assessment, do you think, Mark? I think they're great. I mean, let me go back to that first one of just doing the ask. As you know, uh, Nikki, I do a lot of training around body language and, you know, that tends to be very much in the leadership or sales area. And, you know, how do you use your body language on purpose in order to influence and persuade people if you're somebody who's selling or somebody who's leading? In both of those situations, I think we're dealing with behavioral change. You know, people aren't doing things that you would like them to do. When you're leading them, you're trying to change the way they're doing stuff. I mean, if you're a thought leader, what are you trying to do? Change the way people are thinking about something. Yeah, simple as as that. There's some other complexities, of course, but we can easily boil it down to to that. And so, you know, this this idea of looking for that uh, change is is really, really uh, important for us every time, is seeing what is it that could happen differently here and how can I provoke that difference? So I, I really like that aspect of it particularly. You know what, Mark, that's absolutely brilliant. And and I, I do know that you do this type of training both for audiences as well as groups and some high-level individuals. You've worked with leaders of G7 countries. You've worked with Fortune 500 CEOs. So your credentials are, are unmatched when it comes to body language. But I really like how you weave your lessons into stories. There was another story that I read, which was about someone who works with you who wanted to get into the dating market. And I thought that was an instructive story as well. Could you go a little bit deeply into that and maybe help our listener draw some insights from that for their business? Yeah, absolutely. So this is Catherine who who works with us here at uh, Truthplane and as well as working with us, she's a quite a well-known uh, comedian as well and writes for a bunch of TV comedy shows as well. So uh, Catherine Naker. And uh, we're very happy to have her here at uh, Truthplane as well. And, um, you know, what's great about her story is that, you know, like many uh, people, uh, she's in that dating game at the moment and online, as, as, as many are, and putting out, curating the image of herself, being able to design, essentially, the image that people will first see of her in order to get picked. She's, she's 
in the market, essentially. Uh, and, and you and I, Nikki, and, and everybody listening here, we're in the market as well. Maybe it's not the dating market, but we're in that, you know, we, well, maybe it is, but, but we're in My that market. My fiancé would shoot me if I said <laughs> yeah, something exactly, like that, brother. Exactly. <laughs> We've all got to be careful now, okay? So, so we're in that market as well of, of pick me. It's a, it's a branding market, isn't it? You know, why would you pick me, body language leader, over anybody else? Why would I, you know, pick you, Nikki, you know, leader in the, in the area of thought leadership over anybody else? You're not the only person out there. You know, how do you stand out? And so you and I and Catherine, we're curating our image. We're picking stuff. And, and she uh, decided what she was going to do is, because she's a, a comic, she would put herself on an exercise bike, you know, in a, in a nice kind of summer dress, but not on a real bike, on an exercise bike uh, inside and uh, have a cocktail in her hand. And that would be a good display of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm fit, I'm, uh, I'm uh, you know, into life, I'm having fun, and I'm a little bit quirky. It's a great, great idea. She swipes right on, on another character who purports himself as being really the life and soul of the party. And he's there uh, pictured with a group of guys around him having a great time. And it looks like he's kind of the guy who's given the best man's speech. It's, it's a, it seems to be, you know, a wedding party photograph of all the guys. He's in the center of it. So it looks like, wow, this is, this is the guy who everybody wants to be around. And, you know, for Catherine, he looks great. And so they decide that they're going to meet and have a date. But when she shows up, he is very disappointing to her. He doesn't physically seem like the person who was in the photograph. He is not the life and soul of the party. Uh, he hardly says a word. When he does say anything, he just keeps talking about his immediate family, not his this group of friends that he has. It, it's just... He just isn't the thing that was displayed in the photograph. And it would seem that she's not really what he was hoping for either. She's misrepresented herself as well. So there's something interesting here around we get the chance now with modern technology to represent ourselves and curate an image. And we can do that in a way that sells us really well, but is honest. Or we can do this in a way that sells us very well, but maybe is a little over-exaggerated. Perhaps we might even say dishonest. And, and listen, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I got no moral judgment. I just say we've got to look out for what we're doing, but we've also got to look out as well to what we know others must be doing to us. We've got to take these social media images with some kind of pinch of salt, or as I would say, critically think them, step back and think about them again, get a new judgment about them potentially. We can, we can come back to our old judgment as well, yeah, but we've got to be ready for this person might not be the person that they looked like in the picture. And what am I going to do if I'm disappointed about that? So, so what do you make of that, uh, Nikki? What comes out of that for you? You know what? There's so much. 
I got to say, I know that it's really correct these days to say there's no judgment, but I'm a little old school and I actually do judge things, you know, and I, I'm not really keen on people lying. I'm not really keen on misrepresenting. I'm not saying I don't ever lie because I do. I have. Sure. And, and I'll probably do it again, sometimes right. even intentionally. I mean, let's let, <laughs> let, let, let's let's be honest. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not purporting to be a prophet or anything like that. But I'd like to think that day to day I go about my life being authentic. And I just think, Mark, in business today, and I know this story was around dating, but in business mm-hmm. today, there's such a hunger for authenticity. There's such a hunger for transparency. I got to tell you, Mark, I believe one of the reasons you're as successful as you are is because you're the real deal. There's no artifice about you. Yes, you're very skilled at putting your best put, foot forward, but you're the real deal. It's why people seek you out. Because if you were anything other than the real deal, I don't think anybody would have ever heard of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I th- yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know... I. I agree with you absolutely. What I'm very good at is performing some of the behaviors of somebody who you would want to see communicate to you the idea of thought leadership. So my communication is 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 pretty good, I think. It's excellent. But none of none of that would matter if beneath that I hadn't got some assurity around what I'm saying is new, unique, and most important. And I, you know, to everybody listening today who's thinking about that thought leadership area, which I'm, I'm guessing is most of you out there, when you come to creating your thought leadership, number one, you've you've got to totally trust and believe the ideas that you have. But I think you've got to try and find something that is a little bit unique about that. And, and, and that's where, for me, authenticity comes in that you authored it. It's something that you created. It, listen, it doesn't have to be massive and it actually doesn't have to be that mind blowing. <laughs> it's got to be useful though. So I'd say, you know, every, every thought leader out there who's listening to this, think about the content that you have and the ideas that you have and think, you know, what have I got that is truly authentic, doesn't have to be brilliant, but it does have to be unique. And do you trust it? And do you trust it to be helpful when uh, when it's most needed? And I would say, hang everything on that, because that is totally unique to you and nobody else will have that. And the more you hang everything on that, I think the more successful you'll be and the more clearer you'll be about your communication because my my thought leadership comes back again and again and again to some simple, simple ideas that I've had, which are unique. Nobody else really is out there delivering these ideas. I mean, people, you know, copy them now to a certain extent and, and some people cite me and some people don't and that, that's always going to happen when you've got some ideas that are really helpful. But I just keep coming back to those. And that's the authentic piece for me. Does that make sense to you, Nikki? It makes total sense to me. I got to say, I really like what you said about that if someone's listening to this show, they really need to sit down and do the hard thinking about what is it in their experience that makes them unique. And, you know, we have a program. And this this podcast isn't about our program, but I'm, I'm going to cite it right now because sure. that's exactly what we do. 
we have a program, and uh, in large part, we've uh, built on some of the work done by some giants, folks like uh, Matt Church and Peter Cook uh, from Thought Leaders Business School in Australia, and some of our own stuff that really helps someone who's listening to this, who's thinking about, well, how do I take my thought leadership and, and, and really make it something unique about exactly how to do that. There's a process that we take people through to, to, in a structured fashion, take that genius, and we call it discover your expertise, and we help you discover your expertise, and then we help you figure out who cares, because you need to have someone who cares. Mark, one of the things that you've done really well, and, and, and the fact that you've written this new book, attest to that, is you've been really good at figuring out who cares about your message? Talk a mm. bit about that and talk a bit about how your book's written for some very specific audiences. Yeah. So, so look, I, I would say that all the writing that I'm doing is for people who need to change other people's behavior. And people who need to change other people's behavior where it would be very valuable to do that. And so in the world of, of business, that for me is leadership and sales. Because again, all of that is about behavioral change. People aren't doing the stuff you want them to do in order to get to the goals you and your organization or they need to get to. And so it's your job as the salesperson to change that behavior. So they buy your product service, or they buy more of your product or service, or they don't stop buying your product and service. It's your job as the leader to change people's behavior. So they carry on doing the behaviors that are going to work for you in the organization, or they start doing the behaviors that, that, that are going to help you. And so when we look at that and, and we decide this is about behavioral change for people in leadership and, and sales, it makes it much easier to broadcast the message. Now, in order to change people's behavior, what I would suggest is what the majority of us lack or could just do with more of uh, even if we're good at this, is we need to be able to stand out. We need to be, to be able to build trust and we need to be able to win credibility. Okay? So stand out, win trust and gain credibility. That is kind of the, the, the watchword or, or the tagline under which I go. Because if I speak to anybody and I say, do you have people in leadership or, or sales in your organization? You know, if I'm selling, for example, even if it's a solo entrepreneur, they're going to go, well, yeah, that's me. <laughs> if it's 100%. somebody who, who runs a large organization, they're going to go, well, yeah, we've got a whole leadership team at different levels. We've got salespeople at different levels. And I go out personally and I lead and I sell as well at some levels. Okay. So I say to them, you know, would it be helpful for you and for all these people if they could stand out immediately, if they could win more trust and gain more credibility? Would that be useful for you? There is nobody on the planet who isn't, a, who, who isn't compelled to go, well, yeah, of course, I'd love that. That'd be great. It's very hard to go, no, no, no. We, we, we stand out enough. We're already you know, stand out enough. And we have no fear <laughs> that, that we'll stop standing out. Uh, we're already the most trustworthy in the market, and we need no more credibility at all. It would not help us. So everybody is able to say yes to that. 
And then I can go into the talk around how I get that for people. And how I get that for people is to help them with their nonverbal communication. I do it with my particular expertise, my thought leadership in how to uh, how to to move and how that changes how you think and other people think. So how to move, which changes your behavior, thinking, and other people's behavior and thinking. But what, what I want you to pay attention to there, Nikki, and, and, and the listeners as well, is how I've, I've reversed backwards into the effect I'm trying to get for the people who it's valuable for them to get that effect. Because ultimately, Nikki, they are going to change, they're going to exchange with me, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, even for a short, short time, yeah, in order to get that effect from me. They're buying that effect. So the effect has to be valuable enough. If, if it's not valuable enough, they won't be able to afford it. So I think for everybody listening today, you've got to think, you know, what effect are people trying to get? Would it be valuable for them? And how can I get them that effect? But first of all, I want to start talking about the effect, not the process. And often uh, we thought, you know, for example, uh, Nikki, if, if you were doing this the wrong way, we would be doing a podcast at the moment on uh, the process that you have of creating thought leaders. Yeah, not, not yeah. the idea of being a thought leader, <laughs> because exactly. that's what people want. They want to be a thought leader. They want they want to get that sense of what it would would it be like for me? What would what would I gain if I if I had that? And then if they're engaged enough, if they're interested enough, is it, if it's valuable enough uh, for them, what you'll have seen, and I know you see on a regular basis, is them coming to you and going. So I really want this. So tell me a little bit about the process. Because now, now they want. Now, now they, they want, want to know how. Stuff. Now they now they want to know how. You know, they, they've now they're now sold on the change. They want to know how the change, and and that's just curiosity. That's not really them going. Uh, you know, is this the best process or is it the right process? Or, you know, they may well be shopping around. Who knows? But I probably doubt it. I think the way that you may well have. T talked about the outcome has resonated with them. You know, it feels true. It feels right for them. Does that make sense, Nikki? It makes perfect sense. You know, I'm listening to you speak about this, Mark, and what you said about you need to stand out, you need to build trust, and you need to, to, to demonstrate credibility. That's actually the essence of what thought leadership allows you to do. Matt Church, who created Thought Leaders Business School and Thought mm -hmm. Leaders Global, he says that an expert isn't enough because an expert is just someone who knows something. And they may be good at, at what they do. They may know some really valuable stuff, but that's not enough. A thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. That's a world of difference. You know, and what you just described to me is the essence of thought leadership. Every thought leader needs to stand out. Every thought leader needs to have credibility. Every thought leader needs to build trust. But the process of becoming a thought leader allows all of those things to happen naturally. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think also it's very easy for people to think, well, you know, these people who are thought leaders, you know, people like me, anybody else you can think of who you go, okay, there's somebody really, you know, they stand out, that I trust them immediately, they're credible, that that we might have had that when we first started out. <laughs> you know, it might have been given to us by some, you know, uh, god of thought leadership or something. And I guarantee all of us have developed this over time. Some of us have managed to speed it up by getting help, having mentors, having people who will help us with that process. But ultimately, we've all learned this somehow. Some of us don't know how we've learned to be thought leaders. Some of us do. But it's all learned behavior. And you can learn it. And, and it's a process. It's it's doable. You know, uh, you know, I'm sure I could think of a process of how to become a thought leader if I wanted to. That's not my job, so that's not what I do. But I'm sure I could turn it into a into a process. Now, whether I could sell it or not, that would be a different thing. Or or whether anybody would want to buy that from me, that's a whole that's a whole different thing. But uh, but people need to understand there are processes out there that will do this for them. And if you go through that process, things will speed up for you. You know, I've thought very carefully about what is the process of standing out as a as an expert in this area being trusted as an expert in this area and being seen as credible and i've done really specific actions to heighten and expedite that process i've looked at other people i've i've looked at myself and i've gone what will be my quickest and best and most powerful way of doing this look if you can find if you can find a course to do uh if you can find mentors to help you with this if you can find people to look at around this people to copy people to emulate around how to be a thought leader i would say to to listeners out there go out there and do it and try it out because things will only get faster for you you know what? That's very true. That's very, very true. I'll tell you what. Last year, Mark, we had uh, a, a banner year. It, it, it was a banner year for us. But what it was really a banner year for was for the thought leaders who worked with us. And the results were crazy. So we had about 20-odd people in our program, right? And Three of them added seven figures to their thought leadership and started to become recognized as the guy. One of them uh, does a mastermind with George Ross. He's in re the real estate game. I don't know if you remember George Ross. Right, he was, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so from The Apprentice and all that. Yeah. Two others were in the health field. One of them was a personal trainer. Who the hell becomes a thought leader as a personal trainer? I've never heard that before in my life. Right. But he became the thought leader working with people with missing limbs. And that is powerful because when people can establish themselves as an expert, as you have, it really, really makes a difference. So, so Mark, before we wrap up, mm. give us one more story, but a business story. Sure. So, so there's a, there's some. Uh, so Tra Tracy Thompson, who's co-written this book with me, has written a whole bunch of scenarios in every chapter, which are scenarios that all of us have been through in some way or another, which help us go through how we make assumptions about other people's behavior and how we can rethink those assumptions and get closer to the truth and away from some of the lies that other people might tell us in the world and also the ones that we tell ourselves. And one great scenario in the business uh, part of this 
is is one uh, a, a, a scenario that we call uh, I aced that interview, so where's my job? And the scenario here, Nikki, I'm sure you've been through it. I certainly have, and I'm sure people listening have. Is you go in, and you're being interviewed for you know a job that you'd really like, and you go in there, and you are on fire, and they love you, and the indicators are clear. You're talking, they're smiling, they're nodding their heads, they're laughing at elements of it, they're really engaged in other elements of it. You know, they're they're mirroring you. It seems an exactly right cultural fit. And you you leave that place on a real high, knowing that you gave your best and they were giving you signals, you know, big, broad smiles, firm shaking of the hand, you know, see you soon. You know, even the CEO, she's walking down the the corridors and, you know, holds up their hand and gives you a wave and says, great to see you here. And so, you know, day one goes past and there's no phone call, no email from them. Day two goes past, there's no phone call, no email from them. It's it's day three and there's no contact. And now you're getting really worried because you're going, hang on, have I just read this right? Because I was fantastic in that interview. So, So where's my job? Yeah. And here's the interesting thing that we kind of extrapolate from that that general story of that many of us have been through is when you're in a marketplace, yeah, not only are you trying to often make a great impression about you, but they're trying to buy you as well. And if they like you, they want you to have a great impression of them. So you've been putting on a a good and authentic performance around how good you would be in their organization, but they've been putting on a, a very big and, you know, ultimately as authentic performance about how good they would be if they were employing you. It's a first date. And like any first date, you know, if if there is a potential fit, you're getting on like a house on fire. But because you got so excited by it, you weren't able to step back from it, think again and go, look, they're seeing a whole bunch of other people. Of course, they want to make a great impression as well. The CEO walking down, you know, this is a 4,000 people organization why would she know I'm coming in? She doesn't know me. She waves at everybody there, you know, and 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 says hi. Because nowadays in the in this current environment, people are on show all the time. We we go and we go into an organization and we're immediately tweeting out, hey, I went into Google today, you know, saw so-and-so. It's a great organization. You know, everything now in this world of social media, is a communication, is an advert. Everything can be tweeted out. And so, you know, what I want people to take from from this, uh, Nikki, is, is that, you know, now in, in business organizations, people can be on show all the time. And again, they're curating the image of themselves all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way it is. But you need to be mindful around that and to step back, suspend your judgment, take in that context, ask for more data about that. In this case, we tell people, you know, you really want to ring the organization and say, look, how did I do? 
in this you know how was i and and where are you in this process rather than wondering about what went wrong in that this interview and and why aren't you as good a body language reader as you thought you were that's a brilliant story you know what i got a i got a couple of really good insights from that first yeah. first of all if someone is in the dating game of looking for a candidate for a position they might really like you but they may meet someone else who's an even better fit and that's something that someone's got to be aware of and th that's also important for someone to be aware of that if they're an entrepreneur and they're a solopreneur they're a coach or a consultant and they're looking to meet with someone and that person's meeting with more than one potential vendor that they may have loved you, but they may meet someone after they've met you that they love even more. So it's important to be cognizant of that and, and, and not take it too personally if it doesn't go your way. That's very, very important. So thank you for that powerful insight. Oh, my pleasure. And secondly, it's also really, really important to not get so excited that you don't pick up any micro cues people are leaving you that hey, maybe things aren't going quite as well as you think they are. That's a bit of the subtext of what you're saying too, isn't it, Mark? Well, I think so, yeah. I, I think the thing is, is, is you've got to be mindful of the impression that other people make on you so in this case, you know, we're getting really excited because this is going so well. And that excitement might be overshadowing, you know, almost blasting out any of the smaller details in there. Or most importantly for me, the critical thinking, the thinking a little more clearly, a little less emotionally. Listen, I, I got no problem with emotional thinking. It's really important. It, it, it helps you fall in love. It, it, it saves your life on a daily basis. You can make some great decisions that are emotionally based. But what we're trying to get across to people in this book, Truth and Lies, is there's also a critical thinking element that you can do at the same time and it's quick and it's fast and it can help you think better and make better decisions and if you just we we, we have a, an acronym for it scan which is suspend your judgment bring in the context that's the c part ask what else so bring in more data that's the a part and the n part is new judgment make a new judgment or go back to your old judgment and test it but really it's the idea of hold back a moment, think again, reassess, and then make your decisions. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. So Mark, here's what's powerful for you as a thought leader, is that you've got this body of thought leadership that you've created, but you're leveraging it and delivering it in multiple ways. So this is good from a commercial and business perspective, but it's also good from the ability for you to make the impact that you're here to make in the world. So talk a little bit about how having a book like Truth and Lies out there in the marketplace allows you to leverage and create more opportunities for the business end of Truth Plane. Look, yeah, I mean, uh, n n let's just say uh, uh, there's, n you know, no publicity, which is bad publicity. <laughs> you, right you've, got, you've got to be out there. I mean, yeah, there is some, you know, you could do some stuff that is really bad, uh, but, but you can always bounce back. But essentially, the more you are seen, the more visible you are, I think the more optimal chance you have 
of getting the results that you're looking for. What, what a book can give you is more visibility. It's a device to create visibility. Uh, most of all, in terms of the business that I have, uh, which, you know, the majority of my business really is around, you know, big keynote speeches, uh, big training programs. That's where the, the real, you know, money is made and the real profit is. And books are a device to create visibility and therefore stronger choice around those. There are, as you well know, uh, Nikki, there are there are many keynote speakers out there. There's there's great ones. There's bad ones. There's ones that are in between. There's many training programs out there. You know, good, bad, ugly, fantastic. The key is is why would you choose mine? Why would you choose mine? And one of the leverage points on that is, I'm simply more recognizable than any of the others. You've seen my face more. You've heard more from me already. And so as, as thought leaders uh, trying to affect change, one of the things we have to do is get our, our client base and our potential client base really comfortable with the idea of us, which means we've got to keep getting in front of them somehow in, in big ways, in micro ways, in, 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 through different channels. We've got to get in front of them and get them comfortable with us so that when they think, hey, I need a keynote speaker, hmm. first, up, first up they go, oh, yeah, Mark Bowden. Yeah, let's, let's investigate that. Yeah, maybe there's some other people. Well, if we're going to look at him, we should look at this person and this person and this person. They've maybe got three names in their mind, but they're the first names that come into their head. And so, you know, I get, I get first go at, at, you know, a conversation with them about that. They go, hey, Mark, are you, are you available? You know, here's our audience. Here's what we'd like from you. And I get that first conversation rather than being so far down the line of choice that I never even get into a conversation. I never even get into their heads. So the book, though the book is, is, is wholly useful in terms of how you're going to critically think, how you're going to read body language on a business sense, it's about uh, visibility, I would say. Yeah, that, that's incredible. I just interviewed Dr. Ivan Meisner for the second mm. time on the show as well. So like, like you, he's been a two-time guest. And, you know, he's got this visibility, uh, credibility, profitability mantra that he has through BNI. And uh, you just took what he said about visibility and took it to another level. So thank you for doing that. And I think it's also important, Mark, that people write the book at the right time. So if someone's listening to this episode and they're relatively new in their thought leadership journey and they haven't really got a ton of clients yet, it might not be the right time to get the book out into the marketplace. It might be a good time to start working on the book. But the time to bring a book out into the marketplace is when you've done at least a little bit of the work. There's a little bit of uh, credibility on your part because I see so many people who have done nothing, absolutely nothing, and they put a book out there in the marketplace and it bombs. And I just don't think that's the right way to go about it either. Yeah, I mean, I think if you are, if you are using it as a as a business tool. And uh, you need some of those stories, some of those uh, that credibility around the people that you've worked with, the the work that you've done, the change that you've affected. I think even if it's just in that biography element of it, for people to 
to trust the content of it and want that content of it. But we all understand that you could be a genius and never have implemented the work, but it could be, it could be genius work. But if, if we're gambling, we're probably not going to gamble on you. So we need some kind of indicator that you have done this and you have done this to a good effect and therefore the the content within that book is viable, useful content. So yeah, you might want to wait a little bit longer than the urgency inside your body kind of tells you to and build up more of a body uh, of, of work. And maybe there, I mean, of course, there are other ways to, to publish, aren't, aren't there? You know, you can, sure. you can blog a bit more, you can put stuff on, on LinkedIn, smaller articles. But listen, you know, as you well know, uh, Nikki, books are, books. A book is a huge amount of work, it and is. you probably want. You, probably, you know, you probably, it's a massive amount. You know, there are people who've written books and people who haven't written books, and the ones who've written them know how much work it is to get that done. So you want to wait until the right time when you're ready for that experience. No, re- really well said. Matt Church says that. You know what? He uses the metaphor of martial arts. In Japan, where karate originated, there used to only be two belt levels, white and black. And there really wasn't any in-between steps. If you were a white belt, you, you, you could only go to black belt. And the problem was that for a lot of folks, the leap was just too big. When the United States military defeated uh, Japan at the end of World War II and they found out about karate, they loved it. But this 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 white to black thing wasn't working for them because a lot of white belts were trying black belt moves and getting hurt. And, and to me, uh, writing a book for someone who's new in business is a white belt move trying to go into black belt. The, the U.S. military created the various colored belts so that people could progress. So they created yellow belt, orange belt, green belt, et cetera. And what they found was they could take someone from white to black belt in 18 months, Mark. And right. that, I think, is powerful for anyone who's listening to this show is make this move at the right time. And, uh, you know, Matt Church says you're a white belt in business if you're averaging $10,000 a month and you're a black belt if you're averaging $60,000 plus a month. So if you're a white belt, you probably shouldn't be writing a, a book yet. If you're not even a belt yet, if you're below a white belt, you probably shouldn't be writing a book. But maybe if you're a yellow belt or a green belt, 20, 30K a month, and you're making that kind of impact in the world, it might be the right time to get a book out there. That's kind of the thinking that uh, Matt Church has uh, imprinted upon me. Yeah, and I just want to finally, you know, add something to that as well because I think you're right. And and here's my experience, and and something that was, that was told to me, and and it's been true in many many ways, which is don't waste that first idea, that first book that you have, because if you're like any the rest of us, your first idea is going to be your best. It's going to be the thing that was unique. It's going to be the thing that you were dying to to get out. And all books on from that, I've written four now, it's a lot harder work because now you're going to have, you're trying to find the, the next new thing. And it's just harder to find that. And you keep coming back to, wow, you know, is the next new thing as good as the first thing that I always had that I put into a book? That first book will probably be the thing that really launches you. So wait for that right moment because you don't want to waste that first idea on a small audience. You want to spend that first idea on as big an audience 
as you can because ultimately it's that thing that's going to make you you know unique my my first book winning body language that is still the keynote that i go out and do I've written after that winning body language for sales professionals, yep. uh, tame the primitive brain, this new one, truth and lies. But ultimately, I'm still going back to winning body language as the main keynote. That's the main business for me is winning body language, how to use body language to stand out, win trust, gain credibility, going back to the original idea. So, you know, you don't want to waste that first great idea that you have. You know what? That's a very, very powerful insight. And, and having said that, inside of uh, the work that we do around helping people get their IP out there, there's lots of ways to get some really cool, unique IP out there. We use this, this methodology that Matt Church taught us that we licensed from him called the pink sheet. And inside the pink sheet, you come up with these really cool statements of intellectual property that come from various areas of expertise. So I've got a few areas that are of interest to me. Thought leadership's one of them. Uh, another area that's of interest to me is uh, masculinity in the 21st century. So I, I, I am constantly coming up with new statements of, uh, of my IP that I then go and, uh, uh, and basically get into some more detail on, get some studies, create some, come up with some case studies as well as actual kind of uh, academic peer type studies. And then I create some visual models that go along with explaining my, my concepts to people. And this is a very powerful way to come up with new ways of writing. So I'm actually working on two books right now, Mark, and it's a little bit crazy to do that, but one book's around thought leadership, the the whole concept of the thought leader's business journey, how to go from a newcomer to a celebrity thought leader. And the other one is on the concept of, of masculinity, and in particular, because uh, this has been my story, on on a separated father whose wife has left him, how to, how to overcome that, how to get past the shame and the humiliation and come back to your power and and not lose the divorce, which so many men do. And these are very different concepts, very different ideas. Um, but I'm very comfortable speaking with authority on both of them. So yeah, yeah. Well, I like what what you've what you're talking about there. For me, is about you can take a, a core idea, and you can recontextualize it, and you can revisualize the models and recontextualize and revisualize before a different audience, potentially with a different scenario around them. However, what the core of the outcome that you're getting is ultimately potentially the, the same thing. Uh, for you, it feels Brilliant. to me like in both of those cases, there's a sense of, you know, how can you have power there? How can you get the best result that you want? How can you, let's just say, win, win. in that situation? That is the theme. How'd yeah. you get that? That's good. Well, so so I'm <laughs> thinking, you know, what I know about you, Nikki, is 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 that you, you are, you know, a competitive person. Me? You know, you yeah, such yeah, a nice I think guy. So. Yeah. <laughs> well I mean competitive in terms of, you know, you've got a goal and you want to reach goals. You're, you're goal orientated. Very much and so. so and so you'll you'll constantly want to move towards that goal to get what you want. Th there are many of us out there who want that same thing and need help around that, but we're in very different contexts from each other. And so we might need very different visual models. I'm not in the context there of, of the Father, um, separated you know, father. Bring yeah. Thank God. Father. Let's hope that's never you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, you know, I'm not in that context. So, so how to reach my goals through that context probably isn't going to, it might be an interesting book, but it's not going to resonate with me and really fulfill me like other recontextualizations of your core material. No, So so I like what you're doing, doing there. But I think what people need to understand is that uh, I don't think you're creating new core content Hmm. around that. My guess is your core content is around how do you reach your goals. You know what? That's very true. And in fact, that's one of the things, again, that Matt Church teaches is he has you come up with three to seven what he calls keywords, keywords Hmm. that describe your thought leadership. And I think one of mine is win. You know, yeah. win and winning. And an, another one for me is enrollment, but that's part of the process he has you go through. And then over time, he has you look at it again and change it if time goes through. But your thought leadership, regardless of who the audience is and regardless of exactly what the specifics of your message are, come from these words. So, so you know what, Mark, you're creating your own kind of thought leader methodology in what you're doing with truth and the lies and winning body language. It's brilliant stuff. Well, I am. I am because I'm in a conversation with you, and, that, <laughs> and that's what you help people with. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm an amateur at at creating thought leadership. I have a process that I've muddled through, and and I have been, um, you know, I have been diligent about it. And and yes, you know, people would be right. I'm successful about it, but at no point have I done what you know many people really should do, which is to go, you know, how how do I sign up to a to a process a program which is which I know will get me there faster quicker easier but I'm sure people are listening going oh you know I I wish I had that that thing of look I'm about win I'm about win in whatever context it is it's about how do we help people win once you've got that as you've got there then you have something really strong to hang any content on any interaction on just as I have stand out, win trust, gain credibility. You know, that's strong to because people can ask you all kinds of, of questions about your content and what you do and how you do it. And you just keep coming back to look, it's really about do you want to stand out? Do you need to win more trust? Would it be useful to have more credibility? Because ultimately that's what I do. You know, it through is. through the books, through the keynote speaking, through the training, that's what it does essentially. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Mark, this has been fantastic. And and I got to say, I've really enjoyed the conversation. But uh, I, I think uh, in, the, in the interest of uh, letting you get on with the incredible work that you do, it's time for us to start wrapping up. How we like to wrap up each one of these episodes is by asking you as our expert to share with us what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend the listener takes on to take their critical thinking skills and their business to the next level. Yeah, so so here's what I would I would say is through all our discussion today, you know, from our discussion today, I would say thought leaders what you need to be doing is is finding a way to get to your core content, your core idea. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to help people with? And then I would say the second step is to, you know, having made that choice now make that choice bigger. Think about, you know, who could I affect on this? What is the scope of the people I could best affect with that core 
idea. And then third step around this is keep that really tidy. Choose that group of people who you want to affect and now stop adding other people and go, and I, I could talk to them and I could talk to them and I could maybe have a little piece about this and a little piece about this. So I call it make a choice, make it bigger and keep it tidy, which is, you know, decide on your core content, decide who you want to affect with that and now stop adding people at this point at this point you know just keep it really clean and clear around that again that would be for me a critical thinking process a way of thinking about how you're going to think about thought leadership there's a lot of thinking in there isn't there nikki there is. Well, that's why they call it thought leadership. <laughs> so, so Mark, those are three fantastic expert action steps. And listener, here's what you need to do. You need to go to Amazon or whoever your online retailer is, or if you like going to bookstores, go to a bookstore and pick up not just your copy of Truth and Lies, what people are really thinking, but five more copies to give to your friends, to give to your family, to give to your best clients, because they're going to thank you. This book is going to help them become better thinkers. This book is going to help them literally change their lives. And if you haven't got Mark's other books, you definitely need to get those other books. You've got to get a copy of Winning Body Language. You've got to get a copy of Winning Body Language for Sales Professionals. If you're in the thought leadership game, you are a sales professional, like it or not, part of your job is selling. And remember, we always say sales is an act of love, sales is an act of service and caring. So you're going to need to buy this book and you're going to need to buy Tame the Primitive Brain. Make sure these books are in your personal library. And heck, pick up five copies of each of these two. Give them to your friends. Give them to your family. Give them to your best clients. And if you're wondering, wow, could I possibly be the Mark Bowden of my market niche? Could this potentially be something that's going to make sense for me? If you think that you've got IP, if you think that your IP could be worth something big in the marketplace, jump on a call with us. Go and go to this particular website, ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Jump on a call with myself or a member of my team. We'll help you figure out what your intellectual property is worth and how you can commercialize it in the marketplace. And here's the best part. This call is absolutely free. It's our gift to you because we want to grow this world, this community of thought leaders and thought leadership. We want to help you be the Mark Bowden of your space. Mark Bowden, incredible having you on the show again, my friend. If anything, this was even better than the last interview, and the last interview was one of my top three all-time favorite interviews. Thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. It's always great. Always great uh, having a chat with you, Nikki. Uh, you know, you're always out there, you know, performing really well and helping people. So it's always great to chat with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, Mark, it's it's my pleasure. And that wraps up another episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about the incredible Mark Bowden and to find out how you can pick up a copy of his new book, Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking, go to the show notes. Make sure that you go and you find Mark and Truth Plain on the internet, consume his work. If you're someone who has an opportunity to be able to use Mark's services or your company could, make sure that you take advantage of this. I'm sure that you're going to really enjoy it. You've seen the energy and the power that Mark brings to this. And 
if you're someone who's listening to this show and you want to make sure that you figure out how much your IP is worth, make sure you go to eCircleAcademy.com forward slash appointment. That's in the show notes as well. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.